banded together from remote galaxies come five of the most recurring donors in history. Kent Daw Daring Heineson, da-da-da! Kevon Gordon, da-da-da! Nathan Olson, wah-wah! Fabian Cunet, da-da-da-da! And Antonio Sanchioli. Oh. In any case, this one goes out to them. I ran out of music. It was sad. The Major Spoilers podcast covers news, reviews, and of course, spoilers, and goes into details about the topics discussed. So if you haven't read, listened, or watched the items we talk about, you might want to come back later. Hey, I'm Matthew. I'm Zach. I'm Rodrigo. And I'm Steven, and you're listening to the Major Spoilers podcast, the podcast for pop culture and comic fans. In this issue yo vip let's kick it all right stop collaborate and listen matthew's back on this podcast edition clark kent got a movie rightly while the big bad bat fights cthulhu nightly will it ever stop yo i don't know turn off the lights and rodrigo will glow with a comic review and a book like a vandal light up the stage wax a chump like a candle and for zach who didn't get any of that hey this is steven and this is crazy but here's his podcast so listen maybe the major spoilers podcast is on the Welcome to issue 479 of the Major Spoilers Podcast. Thank you for downloading. Thank you for listening, wherever you may be. Walking down the street, riding in the car, on the bus, the train, the plane. Mm -hmm. In case you were wondering, Matthew, a a Kids Bop single came out today with Carly Rae Jepsen and uh, that dude from Owl City song. So so I know. That was was on Wreck-It Ralph, though, right? No, what was their... <laughs> right, no, that song was, but this is a kids' bop single mm-hmm. of that right, song. Which means that Zach has now heard it. <laughs> I saw... <laughs> I was on Spotify this morning is, at work. That is the amazing and I thing. I saw it. I mean, that's the amazing thing about something coming out on kids' bop. That means that, that means that, A, Zach has heard it because he's so little... <laughs> <laughs> and B, Matthew has heard it because it has been around for so long. <laughs> the two generations yes. clash. Yes, thank you, and kids. And it is not pretty. Speaking of some not pretty things, later on, Cthulhu comes to Gotham. Or the Doom comes to Gotham. We'll get to that. But first, let us get to some news. The brand new Superman trailer is here, as is the Star Trek trailer. And, of course, there are strange things going on at DC Comics, which we're not really sure about, but it sure has a lot of people talking. Let's spin that fabulous Wheel of Destiny and see where we land this week. And there it stops right there on number one. The Superman trailer is here. I think Christopher Lee looks phenomenal in the trailer that I saw. Christopher Lee? Christopher <laughs> No, Christopher Lee, yeah. The, he played, the vampire? Uh, <laughs> yeah, back in 1947. <laughs> Superman, a hammer film. <laughs> uh, so a brand new trailer for Superman has arrived. We've already seen two shorter ones that were just kind of uh, random tidbits. Well, that's really all that trailers really are. Right. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah. the previous set of trailers, they're calling this one number two, although the previous set of trailers, there were actually two different versions. Right. One two with versions a, of the same trailer. Uh, Clark Kent, or um, uh, Jonathan Kent voiceover, mm-hmm. and the other one with a... Uh, Marlon Brando voiceover. Yes, Marlon Brando voiceover. <laughs> no, uh, uh, Jor-El voiceover. Walken voiceover. Uh, this time you we get something that of steel. has a little bit more breath to it. fight mm-hmm. Lex Luthor. <laughs> so I'm curious what your reactions were 
I, we know what Matthew's reaction is. Well, this is as close as I'm going to get to the movie until it comes out on ABC. <laughs> Probably. Yeah. I, I actually liked it. And I, I, the, I think the reason that I did like it is, and this is going to sound weird, every trailer basically tells kind of the same story anymore. And it's like, in a world. And you have the, the sell-through of this is the story we're telling. This, while it, it looked kind of familiar if you've seen the superhero trailers of the last 10, 15 years, it also felt like they're treating Superman as just another adventure movie. And to me, that's a good thing. They're not trying to dumb it down. They're not trying to say, well, the, the comics fans are going to like this because it's goofy and awful. They're doing, you know, that trailer felt like the trailer for a really interesting movie that just happens to be about a guy who's bulletproof and flies around in a suit that is made out of old basketballs. Well, you know, the good thing about those is they don't uh, break down in the upper atmosphere. So that's why they have to yeah, use those. True. No. True. And it's and it's awesome when he gets punched and it goes, bong. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, in, in, a, in an emergency, he can take off his glasses and just put a big old basketball yeah. on his head with the eyes. Oh, yeah. Works out just as No, hard. that's that's actually copyrighted. One of the super globetrotters had that. <laughs> no. Oh, globetrotters coming to haze. Oh, cannot wait. Globetrotter. Sweet Clyde. <laughs> Playing over poor, around the poor old metal lark lemon in his wheelchair yeah. going down <laughs> the court. <laughs> Bubblegum Tate, he's going to yeah. be leading the team. So, uh, uh, Rodrigo, what did you think of this this trailer? Uh, it looked it looked okay. Um, I think that Superman looks better with a beard. Yeah, yeah, I like, yeah. It. I like the beard. Yeah, I mean, it was a, he it's has cool. a good beard. Yeah. My question is, how does he cut it? Yeah, I wonder. Same way they do in the Silver Age. He bounces his <laughs> he laser goes, eyes off of a mirror. <laughs> he goes through the sun. Because there's a really good barbershop in, the in there. But in he had to use a piece of the, his own ship, which was likewise indestructible in Earth's atmosphere. I will. Okay, so here's the thing. We've seen in the trailer that he does have a beard, mm-hmm. which right. means that the real testifier of this movie is going to be, in fact, the question of how does he shave it? Because $10 say they don't show it. I can. That is good money. I mm-hmm. would probably put money on they don't show it because... You get into massively nerdy territory when you start talking about how does Superman shave. Maybe he just rips right. it off. He's you such know, a man, he you... just yanks the wow. hairs out one by one. <laughs> <would> he tweezes. <laughs> yes. He tweezes. Liquor um, tape. He, he, he takes a little piece of kryptonite and he just like starts shaving and then like passes out. Picks <laughs> it back up, does it, does it a little bit more. It no, takes but I mean, like it's four days. If they show that, then that also gives you a sense for how powerful Superman is going to be in this movie. Because that's that's always a consideration with Superman, right? Right. There's mm-hmm. there's a huge spectrum of power for Superman everywhere from He shouldn't you fly. Know, um Don't from he can clear like he can literally fly through the sun. Right. Right. To he's pretty strong, but if you punch him hard enough, you can knock him out, which we've seen in, you know, comics, cartoons, etc. Right, right, right. So where this lands on that spectrum is actually going to be very important to the movie. And it's going to hinge and and it's going to be important on whether people accept this or not. Because people that are coming to this Superman from the uh, JLU cartoon are going to have a different basis from people who are coming to it from recent Superman comics. People that are coming to it from the old uh, um, Christopher Reeve movies. Mm-hmm. Slash Brandon, slash guys? Brandon Routh movies. Oy, let's uh, let's take that. a look at the young boy over here. 
Hey. Zach, did you grow up yeah, watching uh, Justice League, the animated series? No. I think we've kind of talked oh, about this Oh, because you didn't recent... get the Cartoon Network? No, I just didn't watch a whole lot of TV when I was little. I think about this. I was like, why didn't I watch TV? And I still don't know. I think I was just playing video games. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. But video I games. Like, I didn't watch... I never watched the Batman animated series when I was little. Well, that's because you were probably one whenever that series Well, yeah, that's true. That was... But you anything, said you've been, you've been watching that. that, that right, right. Though, right? Yeah, I've been watching yeah, okay. it. But nothing... None of the stuff after that... Um, I would watch some in the morning, but it was like Cartoon Network, like old Looney Tunes would be on. Right, right, right. And Ed, Ed, and Eddie was on in the morning. But yeah, never watched any of the Superman. So stuff. I guess then, have you seen any of the Superman movies? I watched the most recent one. Superman oh. Returns? The Brandon yes. Routh one? Yeah. So you've never seen the Richard Donner, Lester I, I films? I think I've seen... Bits and pieces. Well, like of them, but I've never, I've never, you've I've never watched. Donner. Never, I've never watched any of those. So you never seen Superman rip the symbol off his chest and wrap people up in magic cellophane. Mm-mm. Never seen him kiss a woman so hard that she forgets who he is. Mm-mm. You've never I've seen Superman that. spin the world backwards. No, I've heard about all these things. I've so he could travel back in time to save the woman that he you've loves. Never, you've never seen evil Abba floating around in a, <laughs> in, in a little in a pentagon. cheap pentagon. CG 1980. Yeah. <laughs> CG my butt. That was that was practical <laughs> effects, Steven. Uh, yeah, they literally they put him between, between two window panes and uh, spun him around in, in a space. gyro. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Um, whoa. So the, I guess the, the question is, do you need need to have Superman explained to you as a non as in like non informer <laughs> no as someone who is uh, not not informed about Superman do you care if Superman in one scene is all scruffy McBeard guy and then the next scene he's clean cut McG dude no I mean I don't think I need I don't know how many people really need the concept of Superman explained I feel like he's one of the most like recognizable superheroes in the world and people know what is generally known about Superman, that which is can, what, what public knowledge? Yes, or what's the, the public knowledge that I've oh, learned? See, hey, look, I've we can tap into the public knowledge because of young Zach. So, what's the public knowledge about Superman? But now it's not Superman? fair because now I've actually learned things. But, okay, well, tell uh, us. Tell us what the public knowledge is of Superman. He uh, is indestructible. Okay. He can fly. Okay. Mm-hmm. He has weird vision. He has laser vision and some frost breath. Okay. Uh, it's from Kansas. Okay. Mm-hmm. Reporter. Mm-hmm. And I would probably think most people know he's not from Earth. Yeah, okay. I agree. Yeah, that, I mean way, that's really all you, you need, think right? The general public knows his girlfriend's name. What's his girlfriend's name, Zach? Lois Lane. Okay. Um, okay. I also know a lot of and, Superman and from watching enemy? Seinfeld, so I get a lot of references. <laughs> have you there. have you ever watched Smallville? Which you know, I did. I, I oh, I did. I watched the first season of Smallville okay. and like the second season. So see, I that's kind of the things going into this. You know, it's it's not like. It's not like the Avengers where people are like, what's an Avenger? Right. Right. Mm-hmm. This is something that we've had so much Superman thrown in people's faces mm-hmm. through the cartoons, yep. through the Smallville, through the Brandon Routh over the last couple of years that I, you know, I'm sure there's a, there's looks to be in the trailer, a lot of origin going on mm-hmm. uh, or at yeah. least parts of origin. Um, certainly Superman two, um, you know, cellophane shield boogaloo. Right. Uh, going on that uh, that it kind of concerns me that we really don't need to spend a whole lot of time in origin stuff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's my main concern. Is I think f- judging from this trailer, and you can never fully like 
you know, uh, assume that anything that happens in the trailer is right, 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 is within the context of the of of the what the trailer is showing you. I mean, it could be different. Sometimes trailers literally have stuff that's not in the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but, yeah, but judging from the trailer, it looks like we're going to see Superman in the second half of the movie, and the first half is going to be him being like. Should I be Superman, you guys? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I don't Should know. I be oh, man. Well, I think that there's something to be said, and I'm going to go out on a limb here, and I'm actually going to support a decision by people I don't know, presuming that I understood the thoughts about something that they may or may not have done. So welcome to the internet, kids. When it comes to a Superman movie, Superman's origin has not been told in movie form in 35 years. That's true. So let's say I'm I'm Jack K. Warner Brothers, and I'm kicking $57 billion of my money into this movie about this Superman. I want it to be approachable to the eight-year-old on the street who's never seen the Superman adventures. Or worse, who has seen Superman Returns, a movie which gives <laughs> us very little context and very little that actually makes Superman, you know, admirable. Yeah, deadbeat dad So Superman. much as, mm. yeah, a deadbeat mm. dad Superman who runs around and abandons Earth again at the end. Um, Not really the best Superman. I think that... Starting with an origin may be a good way to go here because, A, superhero t- movies always start with an origin. It's it's apparently the law. Going back to Tim Burton in 1989, you have to start with the origin. It's what you do. Mm-hmm. But more importantly, it gives you a chance to say, here's the story of what my Superman went through to become my Superman or our Superman or whatever you're going to say about it. And you can differentiate yourself from the Brandon Mount Routh and the George Reeves. And, and, the, and you know you what know. wasn't seen in this trailer? What? Slow, mm. fast, slow. I know. I was thinking about that. I, th- I think there's a lot of, I watched this a couple times. I think there's a lot of Nolan yeah, like yeah. cinematography yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. in this movie. That's definitely not like, I think this is the most cinematic Snyder directed film, yeah, at least yeah. by the trailer that I've seen. So and the, the, the scene that I love the most is the one that people are yelling about on the internet. Most, at least the people that I hear. The scene where he's walking in handcuffs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And people are like, well, that's well, stupid. That's impossible. Superman could just break the handcuffs. And well, yeah. Right, he could. <laughs> but he wouldn't. Right. But yeah, he wouldn't. Exactly, and exactly. I think that moment right there, now, if so, I'm reading it right, and I'm presuming that I am, you know, that says to me that these guys have an angle on Superman that I agree with. Mm-hmm. I think from, based on that. From what the conversation he had with his dad when he was little about maybe he should let those people in that bus die that I think maybe he accidentally like, kills a bunch of people and he has to bring them in or I no, don't know. I think it's, no, we're, we're, think we're so? afeared of this alien and yeah. alien turn yourself in and he turns himself uh, okay. in. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's probably what it is. And that's something that we've seen before, right? right, right. You know, as a sort of, mm-hmm. we've, we've seen it, I think in, in comics and possibly in the JLU at some mm-hmm. point where they're like, no, you guys yeah. are a menace. And they're like, all right, we'll just turn ourselves in. Right. Yeah. There was, that we one can, episode. yeah, yeah. We can walk out of here anytime, but if you guys want us in jail, we'll be in jail. Because we're here to protect you guys. Yeah. Which and then, is, of course, know. Zod attacks. Right. So Superman busts out of jail and right. says... So Superman just like, throws the jail at him. Bam. Superman. Uh, so the big is question, Zod though... In this? Oh, yeah. 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 It's played by the oh. guy who is the um, uh, the FBI agent from um, Boardwalk Empire. Uh, Benedict seen... Cumberbatch? No, he's... Uh, <laughs> Star- no, that's, he's Star Trek. In, that's, that's the guy Star from Trek. Star Trek. No, David uh, Boreanaz? No, so Michael Shannon is his name. He plays General Zod. Russell Crowe plays Jor-El. Uh, Amy Adams Russell is Lois Crow? Lane. Yep. I don't think jo- like I don't Russell Russell, yeah, Russell Crowe does a very good Marlon Brando. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Russell Crowe kind of blowed it up Russell quite a bit, Crow. like uh, 
Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Diane Lane as uh, Martha Kent, Kevin Costner, of course, as Jonathan Kent, Lawrence Fishburne, Lawrence Fishburne as uh, Perry White, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and let's see if there's anybody else that really shows up. I mean, we see Lana Lang, uh, Laura Larvon, um, and a bunch of others. We've reported on this at major spoilers a lot over the last couple of yeah. years, year and a half, so you can go check it out over there. But the big question that I have for you guys is. Are you more interested in seeing this movie now or less interested in seeing this movie after you've seen the trailer now? I'm actually more interested. Uh, it it looks to me like they are they're still going to do an origin and that's, you know, I mean I've seen lots of Superman origin stories, but that's it, it's okay. Um I'm interested to see where they take the character. I mean, we have seen them take Superman to a place where he kind of didn't work with uh Superman Returns. Mm-hmm. So, I want to see because clearly this is not just bringing him back to square one with Christopher Reeves. Right. So they're clearly going to try to put him somewhere else. And I want to see where that place is. I want to see who that Superman is. And I'm genuinely interested, A, in what power level they give him. And B, um, what his attitude is going to be. Because, you know, the probably the one line that really resonated with me uh, from the Brandon Routh movie, you know, find out if he stands for truth justice and all that stuff you know it's like yeah i mean you kind of can't say the american way anymore in the same with the same you know completely flat like yes this means a good thing way that you used to (laughs) right so what does superman stand for now i'm interested in that zach more or less interested uh more interested with this trailer uh yeah i don't know people are gonna be like oh it's the dark knight or stupid because it's new and crap but uh, that's a perfect impression <laughs> of uh, of young Zach, by the way. Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. I've been working on it. That's exactly how Zach talks. Uh, no, I think it looks cool, and definitely, I was interested just in the fact that Snyder was doing a Superman movie to right. see what he would do with all those crazy slow motion crap, which would kind of be pretty cool with Superman. But we haven't seen any of it yet. But I'm sure he probably snuck something in there. Oh, I'm, I'm It's sure. going to be in there. I'm sure. Um, so that's interesting. Yeah, and I think bearded Superman looks pretty cool. Oh, I know what I it is. I aspire to be him. I know I know where the fast, low, fast is going to come in. <laughs> We're going to see him run into a phone booth and start spinning around really fast inside, and then it's going to slow <laughs> down. down. And, and he's going to be like, yeah, taking that's off the, the tie and flipping well, it Well, that's out where you and... just see the... <laughs> you see him going and spinning, that's where you see the chest open up with the shirt yeah, ripping right. apart. And then and, and and he is being attacked by Persians <laughs> at, at that point. <laughs> Matthew, more or less interested in seeing this movie now that you've seen the trailer? Well, before I saw the trailer, I had zero interest in seeing the new Superman movie. Having seen the trailer, I think that when it shows up on Epics in 2015, I'll probably sit down and watch it. I may even set the DVR for it. All right, everybody, you can head over to Majorspoilers.com. Check out the trailer, Hot Off the Presses, from Warner Brothers. You can also check out uh, no a little bit of uh, information about the new Lego Lone Ranger set that's coming in 2013. Actually, six Ooh. of them. And check out the uh, the Extendo trailer for the Lone Ranger while you're over there as well. It's all over at Majorspoilers.com. When we come back, reviews. How to get a Major Spoilers shout-out. If you want to get a personalized shout-out at the top of the show, all you have to do is the following steps. Number one, visit Majorspoilers.com. Two, click on the Make a Donation button. Three, donate $10 or more to the cause. Four, sit back and relax and hear Matthew butcher your name and say something cute about you. 
Major Spoilers, bringing the good stuff since 20-06. Thanks to everyone who's a regular donor, and uh, you may want to check out your current PayPal settings. Uh, as a number of accounts we're seeing are getting suspended uh, or expired or whatever, and people are writing to us and saying, hey, how come you suspended my account? Is not my money good for you? And I'm like, hey, your money is just fine for us, but uh, must be something either with your account or your credit card or how you have it set up. So just take a moment and go in and check. I have noticed that a couple of people this past week, Rodrigo, have canceled their recurring donation <gasps> and then upped it to a larger amount. Yay! Those are my it's favorite kind of people. It's a Christmas miracle. It really is. Oh, I am. <laughs> also, speaking of Christmas, well, I don't know if you'd be yes. able to get these in time for Christmas. I know uh, people are already receiving the shirts, uh, but the Critical Hit yep. t-shirts over at slashloot.com, S-L-A-S-H-L-O-O-T.com. You can get all five of the shirts, all five of the designs on black. Uh, they look great. They're designed by Thomas Perkins. Uh, you might still, depending on when you're listening, be able to get these in time for the holidays. But uh, I would say just go ahead and order. We had uh, one person uh, uh, send a, a tweet to me the other day saying that he's got all five of his shirts and they look excellent. So that's great. Slashloot.com is where you can get your critical hit t-shirts. Now let's get to some reviews. Review. Review. Man, I go away for a week and I forget all my cues. It's time. Um, yeah. <laughs> Out this week from Image Comics is a book called Change Number One. Change Number One. I, I'm going to just have to. I, I'm, I'm literally just going to read you the solicitation information for this book. Lay it on me. A foul-mouthed struggling screenwriter who moonlights as a car thief, an obscenely wealthy rapper completely disconnected from the real world, a dying cosmonaut on his way back to Earth, Los Angeles is being toyed with by destructive forces that repeatedly find the, uh, find the city through time and swallow it whole, and those three are the only people able to save it if they survive the fanatics who live in the hills, national security agency agents, and the horrors that lurk in the Pacific Ocean. This book sounds perfect. <laughs> um, it sounds perfect from the solicitation. Uh-huh. And it's, it's only until about, I don't know, page three or four, I guess, into this book that you suddenly realize, oh, this is a Cthulhu narrative, a Cthulhu mm -hmm. story uh, with Los Angeles, the center of, you know, whatever this great old ones that's going to attack is. But when you're reading this, it is... Non sequitur after non sequitur. It's just like these flashes of these people's lives of things that don't make sense. Um, have you guys ever watched Southland Tales? Have you ever seen mm -hmm. that movie? Mm -mm. No. I'm going to guess Zach never has. No, thanks. But uh, it's by the guy who did uh, Donnie Darko. Have you seen that movie? No, but I know about it. Oh, That's Zach. a good one. <laughs> All right. Um, put it on the list. Put it on the list. There are so many moments in the Southland Tales movie that are just like out of nowhere that people just pop in and pop out and you don't really see them again and mm -hmm. it doesn't make sense what's going on. That's exactly what's happening in this book where it's just like flash, 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 flash. And it's like, okay, I have to, I really have to slow down and read this and maybe even in multiple viewings to really get the flow of what's going on because when you finally get to the last page and you're like, oh, here's why the death cults are involved. Here's what's going on oh, this all makes sense now, it's a struggle to get towards the end. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that it's bad, but it's just that everything is just so random that there's not a, a, a straight point A to point B narrative, right? 
Um, the art is interesting too. It's different. It's not something that I'm, I'm normally used to seeing. Um, and so overall this book, it's, it's a, it's a new book coming out. Of course, I love a Cthulhu type tales and I didn't realize that this was a Cthulhu tale going into the book. This was one of those, uh, just randomly shuffled through the stack and said, Oh, let me read this one. And then I was like, Oh, that's kind of appropriate for this week's episode. Mm -hmm. Um, and so people were wondering in the forums, how do they choose what their books are for me? It's just kind of randomly flipping through and seeing what sounds interesting what has a nice cover to it and that's kind of where Wait, this we, one fell are we they some people ask that yes um we're they we are they and they are them i've never been they yes they are and us. we are all together hey kumbaya my lord kumbaya um this is a tough book to get through i gotta be honest with you i don't know if i like it or if i hate it hmm that's not good uh i have well, to give it two and a half slices of meatloaf it's just one of the it's a four issue miniseries that's the other thing is that how can they tell a huge epic tale like this in four issues? Mm -hmm. And it kind of feels like you had a 12 issue book that you had to chop up down into something manageable for four issues. So I don't know if it's planned originally planned to be four issues or they had to cut so much out that it suddenly feels kind of choppy, but it just, it feels kind of choppy as it moves along. And the scenes that were presented with the characters just kind of, out of context kind of scenes and then boom, death cult shows up trying to stab everybody. And the astronaut in space sees a giant shadow lurking in the ocean, moving towards Los Angeles, two and a half slices of meatloaf. If you like Cthulhu, go check it out. Um, it, it's different. That's all I can say is it's really, really different. And I haven't really made up my mind all the way of whether it works or whether it fails. There's so many th reasons why it fails, and there's so many reasons why it really works. So check it out. It's it's change number one coming out this week from Image Comics. Um, also coming out in the near future, or maybe out now, it, young Zach is is all familiar with the YouTube, right? I like YouTube. You like the annoying orange? No. Why not? Because he's annoying. Well, it kind of proves the point. Well, Matthew, are you familiar stupid. with the annoying orange? I'm familiar, sadly. Did you know that they that the Paper Cuts has a comic book series out starring everyone's favorite annoying orange? I've been trying to block it from my mind. <laughs> this is one that I foisted upon Rodrigo yeah. this past week. I said, Rodrigo, you of all people should read this book. Yes. The I am not coming to the next Critical Hit session because he is going to have some aggression to burn. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna say it's because on the last Munchkin I teamed up against him, <laughs> so he's trying to punish me. So yeah, um, let's see the Annoying Orange comic book, Secret Agent Orange, right. Secret Agent Orange. So this is um, oh. a book about the Annoying Orange, Internet Sensation Annoying Orange. Hey Apple. Hey, 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 Apple. <laughs> right, that guy. So annoying. Peter yes, Griffin. He's pretty annoying. <laughs> uh, you know, some similarities there uh, in, in that I try not to watch their shows. <laughs> so, they, okay. so, so they gave, yes, and then Steven makes me. So they gave this guy a comic, and through much of it, it is a secret agent story. Um, largely as a vehicle for puns, um, which happen. There are a lot of single page or double page little like 
you know, kind of like um, filler type jokes. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, and I would say that about 40% of the book is those, just little filler pages. Um, and the annoying orange is in it. Uh, there's a, a couple of funny recurring gags, but mostly this book is strange in that it takes a character that is a, a, a kind of a very strident visual and auditory experience, yes. tries to translate it into the comic, and it doesn't work. It's actually like the most of the drawings of the orange are way cuter than the orange actually is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. and more appealing. To what it did there. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I get it. Any young man is spinning in his grave. Yes. So, so it doesn't quite work. And it does a couple things that are kind of out of character for it. In that, you know, when they try to carry a story, you can't have a character whose only trait is being annoying. So they actually have to, like, ascribe actual, like, motivations and stuff to the orange. Which doesn't really work all that well, as far as I'm concerned. Um... So uh, here's here's where I stand on this. If you're a fan of the Annoying Orange, which you very well might be, and that's totally cool. Um, I like a handful of the Annoying Orange uh, videos. I'm not. I don't hate all of them. I just don't want to watch them all in you know continuously, or before going to bed, or before going Never. to anywhere. <laughs> um, so if you like the Annoying Orange and you want to support them, you can go out and buy this comic and then use it to prop a table um, because <laughs> because it is licensed, officially licensed Annoying Orange stuff. But if you love the Annoying Orange, this comic is not going to do it for you, I think, because it's different from the Annoying Orange. And if you hate the Annoying Orange, then this comic isn't going to do it for you because it's not really doing anything else except trying to put the Annoying Orange on paper. So I would say, unfortunately, despite cute art and uh, uh, what is clearly a good amount of effort, this comic just kind of falls flat. I'm going to give it two slices of meatloaf. Um, Definitely, you know, a good effort, but comes across uh, below average just because it's so difficult to take the annoying orange experience mm-hmm. and put it in any medium other than a, you know, 30 second YouTube mm-hmm. video. This, you know, this might actually be a good example of the problems that you have when you convert a property from one medium to another. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, whether it be from comic book, from decay. film or from, in this case, YouTube sensation to print page. Mm-hmm. You're right. I looked at it. And that's why I said I really want to get Rodrigo's perspective. This wasn't a punishment. Uh, because I figured you would this have some unique perspective. This but wasn't I also figured only it, a punishment. Yes, <laughs> this is not only a punishment. But yeah, I looked at the first couple of pages and I'm like, this looks nothing like, like Annoying is, Orange. This, this looks it. like cute, bud, cuddly uh, Hostess Fruit Pie ad from 1972. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I mean, if you... If you've never read a book that was full of puns before, then yeah. you might want to go out and get oh, this yeah. because you there's hate pun- puns too. It's right? just tons of fruit puns, <laughs> um, just over and over and over and over again. So if you if you're into that, then that's cool and do that again. The art is appealing, you know the 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 the, the rate the the rating that I'm giving it is mostly because of the art because it is cute characters yeah, ki- that are kid fruit. friendly. It's kid yeah. friendly, which is odd too because annoying orange really isn't. Well, friendly is it? Yeah. Well, like nobody, like nobody in the book gets. Oh, okay, some, some. Uh, Somebody gets slashed. Some or pickles. Stabbed. Some pickles get. Uh, no, some. 
uh, dills get, uh, yeah, some pickles get some cucumbers dropped on them. <laughs> uh, like, and, and potentially squashed. But yeah, like, nobody gets chopped in half. Like, it, it doesn't take the same formula from the thing, probably because they knew that it wasn't going to work anyway. Right, right, so no pickles are speared or anything like that. Right, okay. right. All right, well, Annoying Orange, I don't remember when that comes out, to be honest with you. Uh, I was trying to look it up real quick. I think quick. It, it could have been more successful if they'd done it as kind of a a, uh, a Fumetti comic. Yeah. Where they, instead of drawing the orange, you would mm-hmm. actually oh, take, yeah, yeah, just the take the pictures. pictures that, yeah. Because yeah, especially... half the point of the Annoying Orange is that, that dis, disjointed yeah, this, face. Right. Mm-hmm. Horrifying the, face. The clutch that, yeah. cargo effect, that, that uncanny valley. Yeah, that all of that all of them have, and it is part of, like because the annoying orange is in fact also visually annoying. Yeah. Because that's a weird looking thing when you see yeah. actual human eyes and mouth on an orange. Yeah, it's yeah. it's frightening. Yeah, it's uh, annoying. Know, orange secret agent orange number one out this week from Paper Cuts. So uh, go check it out. Terrible. Yes. All right. Uh, young Zach. Yes. Hello. You also read everyone. something from Image Comics this week, right? No, this no, is Dark Horse. Dark Horse. <clears throat> I am reviewing number 13, number one. Well, wait. Is it number 13 wait, is or it is it number, number one? Or number one? Well, see, what they did here is the title is number as in the word and then 13 as in the one and the three. Uh-huh. And then the issue number is like the pound sign and uh-huh. then a one. So ah. doesn't that technically make it number 14? <laughs> no, see, because the pound sign is more of a, like a, a, a divider of space and not like a arithmetic equation. Oh, uh, like I thought a little tic tac toe board. I thought they were like, oh, this is number thirteen, but it is like the most important one. Right. Yeah. No, like, this is the is most number important one. number thirteen that there has ever been. Right. 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 And so there's I, no I, so suck it all those '80s movies. This well, is now I have to go find numbers one through twelve. No, number one. You no, are see, no, this, number this one. This is number one. You, there's no zero issue, not that I know of, and uh, you don't need. You can just so pick, you up, you pick this one right 13. up. Thirteen. No, 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 no. See, now let's go back to the title again. The title is number thirteen. So, oh, what is a number thirteen then? What? So, is this like annoying orange where there's just like number thirteen walking down the street? No, they're not singing do I do be be dum do. Um, it's like. It's not what you oh, order at McDonald's. Bad reference. <laughs> <laughs> Zach um, does know things. So, so what is this number thirteen? This this is a comic from Dark Horse. Right, right, uh, right. And now you that know, makes more sense. Now I thought, you got where I am. I thought you were just Third like face. I was like Zach. Zach hashtags don't work in real life. <laughs> no. You can't just I put tried, a pound sign. In I tried front of it just to say it and click it to see if anyone else has been on. Right. The first baseman's uh, name is John. Who, oh, wouldn't that be funny? But if that's it was okay because his grandfather <laughs> number thirteen was hashtag one. And the third baseman is <laughs> named I don't know Phil. I don't know. But if you say it really fast, I'm sure it sounds a lot like I so, don't. So know. what is number thirteen, Zach? So this is a post-apocalyptic comic book, which we have all come to know and love from the last, I don't know, like, what has it been, like, decade or something? I haven't yeah, read, I haven't they've, been, they've gotten big. Yeah. yeah. So what's happened in this version of the end of the world is that a plague has come uh, to pass, and humans have been turning into monsters, but there have been two sects. Everyone's been infected, it seems like, but some people have been cured, because there's two groups. There's... uh. Uh, Mune's infecteds, and so apparently some people were immune, some people were inf- infected, and they turned into some really jacked up looking monsters. Mm. And so the opens up right at the beginning of that, but then the next page is sixty years later, and so pretty much the world has been destroyed. There's two different uh, factions of people 
and we open up on this group of infected. Uh, their speech kind of sounds like teenagers in the way they act, so I'm going to go with they're probably looking like teenagers, but one's like this giant like brown Hulk-looking dude, and like a red kid and a purple fairy and some like guy that came out of Tekken, but he's got like some weird hair and a red bandana on. And <laughs> they end up stumbling upon this little mostly naked boy with a little Iron Man thing in the middle of his chest and the number 13 uh, tattooed on the side of his head. And so they don't really know what's happening and eventually the big uh, somewhat burly leader of the uh, Brown Hulk dude goes to touch him and boy just like awakens and just picks him up with a punch and throws him like through panels and... I kind of figured this thing would escalate from that point, but he's like, nope, uh, I did, I, like, saved myself, time to back it down, and they just have this talk, and eventually you get to this point where there's, like, they show, like, five different groups of people, almost, that are interested in this number 13. You see his creator, and, because he comes online, he's been offline for a while, and, uh... So they just show you, like, the, his creator wants him, some other people with numbered tattoos on his head wants him, and all the infected people take him back to their uh, leader, who is some weird-looking snake lady, and she wants him too. So everyone seems to know who this boy is, but he has no idea who he is, which is pretty much the central focus of uh, issue number one. Um, It's... Uh, the storytelling, it's, I mean, it's pretty much a n- regular number one. It sets up all your characters you're probably going to see throughout this first arc, uh, throws important people out there, sets the situation for crazy monsters to destroy you and big battles that are sure to ensue in mere issues. The art is pretty good. Um, it's consistent. Most of the time, some of the facial features will thin and thicken depending on whatever they're showing them. The character designs are really cool. Like the monsters are interesting. Um, giants with big stone hammers and the snake-bodied people, and a doctor man that looks kind of like Bono in a flying um, Doctor X wheelchair from like '91. So that's great. Interesting read. Uh, I enjoyed it enough to pick up the... I'll look at the next issue and pick it up. Not the best thing that's ever blown my mind in the world. Um, I'm going to give it a nice three slices of meatloaf. All right. Comes out... This week? I think the 19th. No, you may have given too much away, Zach. Oh, maybe I did. I don't think I did. There's more stuff in there. Don't worry. Oh, yeah, there's a lot more stuff. More I was going there. through this as yeah. Zach was reading it. There's, there's a lot more, more in there. But then you get the general idea. Yeah, yeah. Pie eating contest. Pie eating, well, come on. Jeez. We're not supposed to spoil everything. That was... That was Sorry. I didn't uh, say who won. Horse. Barack Obama. <laughs> 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 All right. Uh, let's swing around to Matthew in America's Got Powers number four. Hi, hi, friends. It's your old pal Del Monte Slim, and damn, have I got a deal for you in some comic books over here. America's Got Powers number four, colon, of six from Image Comics, which was due out on the 19th. The initial reason that I picked up this book 
was because it was written by Jonathan Ross, whom I only know is that guy who pops up on the show that comes up after Doctor Who when I'm up too late watching BBC it's America. Uh, Bob Ross. That's not Bob. They're the happy trees. We'll put this little bush over uh, here. And that, that give bush this guy some extra seat. pectoral muscles. And if you tell and anybody you about that bush, I will find you. And I will cut you. Easy there, Bob. In any case, America's Got Powers 1 through 3 set up the existence of a boy whose name escapes me. I believe it's Andrew something. Who exists in a world where, all of a sudden, babies were born with superpowers. And as they have aged, they have been treated as basically three things. One, a commodity. Two, as entertainment. They're taken to a television program called America's Got Powers, where they basically fight to the death. And three, they're treated as complete and utter outcasts. In the previous issues, this kid was revealed to have had no superpowers at all, and then suddenly got thrown into the arena where it was discovered he had the most superpowers of anybody. Which is, I suppose, a perfectly valid twist. It's it. It wasn't a giant surprise. Let's put it that way. Wait, can I? And at the end of issue three, yes. Go go ahead and finish your issue three because I have a real important question here. At the end of issue three, our main character was kidnapped by escaped superpowered kids who are living in the underground, being an underground group of superpowered kids who uh, were presumed dead but are now. All harbinger hiding in the sewers kind of stuff. What's your question? So how is this book different than that Aspen Comics book, Idolized, or whatever that is that you that you reviewed? The one about well, the girl idolized. who thinks that she has superpowers, and so she goes on a reality show, and she doesn't have powers, and then suddenly she does have powers, and then no, people are after her. she has powers from the beginning, doesn't she? She has powers from the beginning. Oh, okay. Idolized is more of an American Idol kind of... We are going to do this and the things that are going on in her head. Uh, okay. America's Got Powers is more like, well, probably more like you'd have to say the old gong show. Mm. Or perhaps, you know, something where you can just show up and, and what was that thing? The X Factor where the old lady showed up and Simon Cowell was mean to her. And then she sang really good and Simon Cowell cried and everybody went, Oh wow. And then we bought her album and yes. completely forgot her name. Mm-hmm. Okay. Susan, something. Sure. Susan Boyle. Susan Boyle. Susan Boyle. Yes. It's like that. And honestly, there are similarities. Um, there are similarities in the way these things are treated. I think the major difference here is that in idolized, she is in a basically, neutral space with unknown origins and what unknown um, um, motivation there may be a horrible secret behind her in the competition in this he is a normal guy in a competition behind which there may be a horrible secret so basically it's the inductive rather than the deductive process and as this issue opens the kid who had the superpowers at the end of last issue gave them to his little brother wait so, yeah, I know. It's it's odd. So he's trapped in the sewers being beaten up by the kids who want him to be their savior, while his little brother is in the uh, arenas being tested by the government freaks, one of whom looks like the 10th Doctor, and trying to, you know, find out the secret of whatever the power was that the character that Tommy, I believe his name was, actually had. It's kind of confusing, actually. Um, it's been a while since issue three, for one. 
And the last time I checked into it, there was there was a, a time skip between the end of that issue and the beginning of this one. Hmm. However, the worst part of the issue for me is not anything related to the writing. It's Brian Hitch, whom I adore as a as an artist. He's a very good artist. But Brian Hitch has, over the last five or ten years, gotten a few, let's say, peccadillos or habits in his art. And this issue, more than the first three, reads like another issue of The Ultimates from Marvel. His costume designs here are virtually identical to what you would constantly see in The Ultimates. The short-sleeved outfits with the big, thick gloves and the big, thick boots. And I don't know if that's just, you know, kind of his, his design style right now or what. But I was reading through this and I just kept getting distracted by the fact that First of all, the pencils feel a little bit looser in this issue, which makes me think that the finishers had more input, which I think made the parallels to his work on Ultimates more obvious, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Where the guys, you know, the guys all running around in the short sleeves and shooting at each other. There's a guy who's doing running scenes that are literally, they seem to be pay it panel for panel, identical to Quicksilver scenes from Ultimates and Ultimates 2. But of course, at the end of this issue, you know, we're getting to that third act. So we really need to start kicking things into gear. All hell is broken loose. And the, uh, the arena people have sent their super team after Tommy. So their super team is fighting the rogue underground super team. And there's fighty fighty and punchy punchy. And all of a sudden something happens to the girl that Tommy has a crush on. And he suddenly has his powers back at which point somebody hits him in the back of the head and he falls over. I don't think invulnerability works like that. Or if it is invulnerability, I do not think that word means what they think it means. <laughs> I like this issue, but I don't love this issue. I think that of the issues of America's Got Power so far, it is the weakest. And people who listen to my reviews will note that there are times when you get to that, that right before the third act, when we're trying to make everything as dark as possible. And all you get in the chapter is horrible, 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 horrible to be continued. I do have a tendency to like that number three of four moment a little bit less than the rest of the story. So, you know, I admit to that bias as a reviewer. But this issue to me, it looks okay. It doesn't look as good as the previous ones. It doesn't read as smooth as the previous ones. And whatever is going on with Tommy four issues into a six issue series is still completely inexplicable which is starting to grate on me. Also, there's a girl who's running around in an outfit that is literally underpants and a tank top, which just, I don't know, doesn't work for me. Overall, though, I'm still going to go <laughs> above average. I'm going to go toenails. three slices of meatloaf. Not a bad book. No. Not the best book of, of this series, but this series is still interesting. And it hasn't devolved completely into cliches the way you would expect that it could being is how it's basically superheroes in a reality show competition. There are a lot of cliches to pick from on both sides of that fence. So it's admirable how, you know, how few of the, the horrible tropes are being horrible. So that's kind of cool. But yeah, three slices of meatloaf. It's a good issue, not the best issue. And I'm really, you know, hoping that it gears up and kicks the last two issues in the butt. So that would be kind of cool. Awesome. All right. That uh, comes out on the 19th, as does number 13. Uh, number one, um, 
Anyway, check what? them out. <laughs> I know. We've already been there. Oh, Try sorry. not to wrap your head around it too much. All right, you can read these and many, many, many more reviews over at Majorspoilers.com, including a review of Hellboy in Hell. <gasps> Rodrigo, yes. Hellboy. We saw him die. Yes. Now he's in Heck hell, boy. kind of. Yes. In heck. Go check out that review. Majorspoilers.com. All right. We are done with the reviews, which means that it's time. It's time. Whoa. Hey, I almost timed that exactly right. I am way out of practice. For the major spoilers. <laughs> In a world where spoilers are major and opinions are like every... Never mind. I can't tell the rest of that joke. It's time for you to chime in and for us to chime out and for Steven to shine on that crazy diamond. The major spoilers. Oh, I don't need to breathe <laughs> of the week. Started to get a little channeling uh, Randy Macho Man Savage there. Slap <laughs> into a Slim Jim, brother. Slap into a Slim Jim. <laughs> Not brother. Brother's no, a different yeah, They're both and all the same. All of a sudden, I turn into Hulk Hogan. Matthew goes, schnick, schnick, and there's just big old beef jerkies out of his veins. You know, Wolverine could be played by Macho. Well, could have been. Could have been played. Yeah, yeah, Certainly Sabretooth. That would be pretty cool. No, then Hogan is Sabretooth. Oh, there you go. Oh, man. Why didn't the 80s get on this? I know, right? That's just messed up. Well, for one thing, Hogan didn't look like Sabretooth until the Oh, and the blob, of course, would have been... Uh, Andre the Giant. King Kong Bundy. No, Andre the King Giant. King Kong Bundy as the blob. No, Andre the Giant as the juggernaut. God, no, what's wrong with you? Stop the juggernaut. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody want a peanut? <laughs> <laughs> and ravishing Rick Rude as Cyclops. Oh, the Miss things Elizabeth that could have been. And the Iron what Sheik as Jean Grey. <laughs> <laughs> and Bobby Heenan as <laughs> Professor X. Who would uh, Rowdy Piper have been? Rowdy Piper? Uh, let's see. Hmm, that's a good one. I'm going to go with uh, Nightcrawler. <laughs> oh, yeah, that one probably be. Yeah, good. I'm German! <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't go with his kilt, though, Shut so. Hockey puck. All right. Big movie coming out in theaters this week. The Hobbit, An Unexpected Journey, part one of three uh, of the movies. And people are like, my gosh, how can you take a really short book and turn it into a th- into three movies? The audiobook of The Hobbit, unabridged, is 11 hours long. Wow. So I'm pretty sure you could some, probably some squeeze world. three movies out of, out of just that. a lot of walking. And yeah. What scenes. happens if you fast forward to all the dwarf naming? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the problem. Um, there was Flartle and Barble and Kerbal so this movie has a lot of a lot of controversy Flart. surrounding it. M- probably, well, not just the three movie issue, mm-hmm. but the fact that uh, you can see this in a variety of different formats. You can see it in two D at twenty four frames a second, three D at twenty four frames a second. You can see it in three D in forty eight frames a second. You can see it in three D IMAX. No, three D four K. Um, 48 frames a second, and then IMAX 3D. Mm-hmm. 3D, 4K, 48 frames. That's like 144 frames. <laughs> it's, yeah. Uh, so there's that whole controversy of, you know, does it look like a glorified soap opera or does it take the storytelling to a whole new experience? I hope um, it looks like a telenovela. But regardless, awesome. regardless of the pros or the cons and some reviews, early reviews are coming out, we want to know, are you going to go see The Hobbit, An Unexpected Journey, 
on opening weekend. Matthew, go. No. So the options are, yes, I'm going to go see it opening night. Yes, I will see it opening weekend. I will see it in theaters, but not on opening weekend. I will see it, but not in theaters. And no, I have no interest in this movie at all. Once again, you left out an option, which was I'll probably see it at some point on Epics. Yeah, that's um, it says, I, I will see it, but not in theaters, not in DVD, pay-per-view, etc. That includes so, Epics. On opening weekend, I will see it, but not in theaters? No, I will see it, but not in theaters. But the question is, will you see it on opening weekend? Well... I'm We're, confused. That implies that I'm stealing. He's just asking yes, if you're you will, You will it. steal it. You will steal it, Matthew. I don't steal. I actually chose I will see it eventually, but not in the theaters, because that's the way that I see movies. And if there's a movie that drags me to the theater, it has to have eight-year-old eye appeal, and The Hobbit does not have that. What? It's got all those guys in it. I thought girls like guys. It's yeah, got Glavin and Shaven. Oh, got hairy guys. Hey. <laughs> Some <laughs> girls are into that. Some girls are, but I don't think little girls yeah. are. Those girls it's got dragons, dudes, but that's okay. Is the drag is smog in this one? Is uh, he in the first one? At least they make reference. Who, who to knows? It. No, they. This is the, if they split the movie into three. This is the movie with they the are. conversation leading up to when they walk out of the man, the shire. Uh, out of the shire. Yeah. <laughs> uh, actually, the second the second movie is called the Desolation of Smog. So it would have to right. be the Hobbit, uh, Bilbo going into the um, Smoky get, Mountains, stealing, and then Smog going on. Bringing it some great like terror. ending Fellowship of the Ring shot where it's like walking up a hill and, yeah. it's, and it's like credits. Yeah. And it's going to be awesome. And I'm going to yeah. be like, Bilbo and Yay. Smoky Mountains so tag teaming against Chris yeah. Jericho. Rodrigo, what about you? I'm going to try and see it this week, but I'm, or uh, opening week, but I probably won't. I'm going to I'm going to try. I'm going to try and make some time and I'm going to try to scrounge up some money to go see it. But chances are I'm probably not going to see it until I uh get to my parents' general vicinity on Christmas vacation and I can borrow the car to go see it. Or you or, all go together. And, yeah, or and the money. well, cuz wouldn't, wouldn't your dad want to go see this? My dad, my dad would want to go see it. And see the problem is logistics when once you get to to my family because the babies are still little. My nephews, yeah, they can, so know. we can't take them to go see The Hobbit. Turn it's the going crib to be, over on top of them. And it's Paco. going to be too. Yeah, we'll go back with Luis. It's going to be <laughs> too long, right? Right for them, even if they're not scared, which they won't be. They're already right, like, right. yeah, Power Rangers. They're probably go. This is boring. They, it it boring. probably will. Oh, yeah, it's probably boring. not going to be action packed enough for them because, like, they start getting like it's almost kind three of, hours long too. They watched. A Ben 10 live action movie, and it wasn't action packed enough for them. Yeah. And that's basically all it was was a CGI spider monkey throwing things at people. But How do you get three hours out of one third of this movie? I said, if you read the audiobook, it's 11 hours long. So well, you that's get... because the guy who was reading it had a stutter. Mel Tillis did not work <laughs> for that company long. This movie the, the, two hours and forty six minutes is oh, how long it is. Really yeah. Long it is. So yeah. it's gonna be it's gonna be logistics for us. We're gonna have to determine who all in the house wants to go see it. Mm-hmm. Um, out of the people who don't want to go see it, when they can babysit, right? And then that's gonna be the time when we can see it. And if there are no show times that coincide in that window, we're probably not gonna get to see it until the situation changes enough. Are the younglings in school? Um, they are, but they probably won't be for long. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. During depending on when you go, yeah, home. They'll, yeah. Be, they'll be thrown out. Yeah. Soon enough. Yeah. yeah. They're going to be in between schools. Yeah. 
Zach, what about you? Are you going to go opening? Uh, are you going to go midnight showing Thursday? I act, it just I decided this week I'm going to the midnight showing of the Hobbit. I debated that. Um, the only reason I'm going it's is three hours long. You'll be getting home. I'm tonight. having a there's a friend that's like moving out of town and he wanted to go see it. And I was like, so this is like the last thing we'll do. I was like, yeah, I'll go watch it with you. But I did actually see some footage when I was watching the Colbert Report this yeah. week. And I was like, oh, it looks so good. Yeah, like, I mean, I, I've been starting to get into like fantasy. I've been reading mm-hmm, a Game of Thrones mm-hmm. and stuff, and it's not like the most action-packed book in the world, but it's still really good. So, yeah, I figure. Have you if ever I read The hit, Hobbit? Yeah, I did actually. Oh, okay, but it was a long time ago. Um, but no, yeah, like I'm when kind he was of, eighteen. I'm looking. Yeah, I was, <laughs> no, I was like fifteen. Um, but no, I'm kind of so looking forward to it now. Future. Right, right, right. Uh, <laughs> I will. I'm it, I have I'm read the Hobbit. I'm reading it when the third, when the third installment comes out. Just, just hold on a little bit. Yeah. Uh, no, I'm going to go watch it at midnight, and I'm actually pretty excited. Cool. Um, I am going to try my hardest to see it opening weekend. What I really wanted to do is go see it in 3D at 48 frames mm. a second, and the closest one, really for us, is Colorado Springs, and that's where my sister lives and her okay. husband and family. So we were thinking of, or I was thinking of driving. Five hours to go see that. Did Wichita, the Warren didn't get it? Uh, the Warren may have it. I, th- I, I, I thought they would. Maybe they would, did. Maybe, maybe they, they did get it. I don't remember. I'll look at the list. Um, but, uh, but even then, Wichita, uh, Colorado Springs, more interesting. Oh, right, right. Uh, but still such a long way to drive to go see the movie. Yeah. So we're getting it in 3D, 24 frames a second here. I'll probably go see it, but I've got a lot of conflict this weekend with... Mm holiday parties that we're expected oh, to attend holiday and parties all I, I kind of don't want to watch I'd, I'd watch it in 3D if I got the 48 frames but yeah, I yeah. kind of just want to watch it in 2D now because otherwise I have to wear the glasses and that's annoying I really want to and then mess up his hair yeah. <laughs> I really want to see it yeah. twice once in 2D 24 and once in 3D48. You, you want to see it once in one stereoscopic uh, <laughs> version and then once with the other one? Yes, exactly. One, it, one in the blue channel, one in the red com- channel. That way I can just compare, you know, what, you know, is there really a big improvement? Is there a lot of hoopla? And unfortunately, I'm not going to be able to. No. They're well, not, not, until you, uh, not until you get the I'm not, 17 I'm not gonna version. Yes, you are. No. Not totally because no, I'm not replacing this home theater f- with for 3D, 3D stuff. They're not going to release a 2D. 48. Oh, okay, I can see that. But you can oh, watch they it. They could, in your... but you'd have to have a uh, something that's going to be able to play that back. That's true. And, that's and true. project it. Yeah, you are going to have to have oh, something yeah, yeah, projected yeah, yeah. Yeah, right, ready, right, right. unless but they, they do... do it on the Blu-ray. They can do it in Blu-ray. Blu-ray. They can do it in Blu-ray, but the problem is you have to have a screen that can project 48 frames a second. No, I'm in for once. Once it actually comes out. Can a, can a normal TV not do 48 frames? No, it can do 30 frames a second. It won't 29.97 is our frame rate here in the United States. Did you not pay any I know, attention I'm just saying, in intro there, to broadcasting some where we talk about I mean, NTSC? There's an 80-inch TV in Walmart. Surely that thing can do 48 frames a no, second. No, it's, it's not a question <laughs> of how big the TV is. Surely there's more technology. How many frames <laughs> do you need? <laughs> there's more space to put technology inside of it. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, you don't know what a frame is. That's probably the best quote I've heard all year long. Uh, Thank you, Zach, for that. Okay. All right, Matthew, how did the rest of the uh, Major Spoilers Nation vote this week on uh, well, right going now, to see I'm the movie going uh, opening weekend? 138 votes from the Faithful Spoiler Rights, a whopping 44% saying they will see it in the theaters, but not on opening weekend. They are the smart ones. Uh, 24% saying opening weekend, 19 opening night for me, 4% saying they have no interest at all. 
and 9% saying they'll see it, but not in the theaters. Part of it is I have no interest in this movie at all. It's not the same as I will not see this movie because I have no intention of seeing this movie, but I know that eventually I will. You know, it's like that movie Moon. People talked about it for 10 years, and I finally watched oh, the thing, yeah. and I'm like... Hey. I've been out for like four. I know. That's how how, how popular <laughs> that's how it popular was. That's how popular it was. I agree, Matthew. It was a lot of meh. bad man. it was. It was a lot of meh. Yeah. Yeah. But the Warren does have... If I, anyone's listening Wichita, the Warren is releasing it. Uh, well, you know, Tom Angelo, who writes for the site, he's from Wichita. Oh, that's right. So... He doesn't and listen I to don't the show. And I don't think he listens to the show. To see a movie in two different formats to see if it's a different movie. I don't no, it's feel not, like it's I'm not that, that aware of the, of the frame rate or the, you know. Well, it's a different Will experience. It, a different it, experience? It, is, it is a different experience. Yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Oh, people are saying it's crazy different. I, I, I believe that it, and, and you know me, I'm, I'm pretty, like, uh, well, I'm pretty, but um, <laughs> I'm, so I'm, pretty. I'm, I'm really He's not. so pretty. <laughs> I'm like the opposite of that. I'm like uh, so unfabulous. You're like the human version but, of the guy Smiley Puppet. Yeah. Um, I'm more like the, I'm more like the human version of the hairy monster <laughs> puppet. <laughs> anyway. Um, you know, I, I, I usually don't care about this stuff, but I, I really believe that that frame rate is going to give you a very, very different experience. Right. And as we've talked before, right. that very different experience might not be a good thing. You know, the, mm-hmm. the movie originally met with a lot of criticism yeah, when because they the er- when they early first footage. showed it at, at 40 frames per second... Is it 40, 48. 48, 48 frames per second? People were like, uh, it's like a soap opera. This, mm-hmm. yeah, this does in fact look like a telenovela, mm-hmm. especially all the guys with weird mustaches. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it, it really can be a different. I mean, you're looking at something that doesn't have as much motion blur to it, and which is really kind of the staple of what makes something look film like. Mm-hmm. So it, it really could be a different experience. So that's why I want to compare for myself. So I can't just say, Fah, all you people who watch it in 48 frames a second, you. Uh, Bah, what a terrible movie. Never catch on. I want to see it for myself, just like I went to go see that uh, that Pocahontas movie in 3D, the uh, Avatar, Avatar uh, because I wanted to see what all the fuss was about so I could say, hey, I saw this. This is what I thought. I can base an opinion off something that I've experienced. That was pretty fun to watch in theaters, though. I suppose. What's Visually, that? it was pretty cool. You know who's going to go What's see it? this movie in uh, 48 frames a second? Our good friend Cat Halo. And uh, he's going to go see it. This he's going to go see it in both formats. If I remember the email, yeah, uh, he's going to do that, yeah. and then he's going to write a review for us on Friday, and then he's going to write us an update on the different experience uh, <sighs> later. How can he possibly write a movie in Irish? How can how can he possibly write a review by Friday? He's still going to be in the theater. He's, he's seeing it Thursday. Yeah, he's gonna, well, I know that's what I'm and saying. Plus, there's six he's not going to get out until Monday. <laughs> he's six <laughs> hours ahead like of eight us, hours so long. He'll. Uh, he'll uh, <laughs> He'll get it to us, and then he's going to see it uh, the next day, I think, on Friday or Saturday. He's going to go down uh, into it's, Dublin. It's in the comments. Thomas. Oh, okay. He's watching it Thursday night, and then Monday, watching it in 3D IMAX, 48 frames. In the meantime, he did send us a few other movie thoughts, uh, this time about Seven Psychopaths, which, oh, is based on the, uh, which is based on the comic book, if you've read that. Uh, Boom Studios republished it. I think that was a European comic, if I remember. And then he also talks about a couple guilty Christmas pleasure movies. So let's take a listen. And when we come back, the doom that came to Gotham. Greetings and salutations, major spoilers. 
Cat Halo back again with a couple of thoughts on movies. Um, just saw the one new release this week. It's called Seven Psychopaths. It's written and directed by Martin McDonough, who brought us the excellent In Bruges a couple of years ago. This is a brilliant, bizarre, and utterly hilarious movie. The cast is great. Colin Farrell, Christopher Walken, Sam Rockwell, Woody Harrelson, and a ton of fun cameos. Everybody's having a great time with sparkling dialogue from a brilliant script. If you can find it, you really should see this flick. It's very much recommended. I've also been keeping up with my Christmas movie viewing, and just recently watched one of my favourite guilty pleasure flicks, Santa's Sleigh, spelt S-L-A-Y. Former WCW champion Goldberg is Santa, son of Satan. He's conned into being the happy clappy gift giving Santa, but now he's done with it and looking to kill some folk. This movie wants to be Gremlins with Santa, but instead it utterly sucks, and I highly recommend it if you enjoy terrible films. Speaking of Gremlins, actually, when I finish here and you guys are recording the show, I'm going to be seeing Gremlins on the big screen. Cannot wait. And that brings me to other excellent movies of the Christmas variety I saw on the big screen recently. Zach, yes, yes, you do have to see Die Hard, because I just saw Die Hard again on the big screen. This is a classic for a reason. This defined action movies for a generation, and it's a great counter-Christmas movie. I actually got to see the original 35mm print on a big screen, and if you get the opportunity, always, always, always see classic and favourite movies on the big screen. You'll regret missing it. And of course, next week, the big movie is The Hobbit. I'll be seeing it on Thursday. I won't get to see the 48 frames per second version until Monday in 3D on IMAX, but I will have my thoughts on both for you guys soon. And I will leave it at that. Uh, Thanks, guys. Have a fantastic week. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for that. And um, listen, listeners, if you want to be part of the Major Spoilers experience, all you have to do is pick up that phone And call the Major Spoilers hotline, leave your thoughts, your comments, your ideas, your reviews about anything that you've read or seen recently. Uh, That phone number, Matthew, is... 785-727-1939. The Major Spoilers Cthulhu lives in my back pocket. Hotline. Yeah, Cthulhu. So two things. Cthulhu Mythos and Batman. Oh, it's, it's got to be like. Dream. Yeah, I tell you. Well, uh, this know, was actually right? something that if Zach brought up. If there was a naked up. Asian woman in this book, he'd never leave the house. Oh, man. You know, Talia is, uh, well, she's Middle Eastern. Right? Yeah, she's Middle Eastern. Pretty close. I mean, it's Asia Minor. Well, Asia, Asia Minor. She, yeah, she's Asian Minor. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> uh, uh, be careful. Um, but if so, she's a minor, you can't date Zach, her. Oh, well, that's okay. <laughs> Zach brought up last week, he, he made the flippant comment about, uh, so is Cthulhu better with Batman? I said, let's find out. <laughs> the Doom that came to Gotham uh, is an Elseworld title that came out, and I want to say, let me see if I can find the year. I want to say it was like 2000, maybe? Yeah. It was relatively recent. Yeah, 2000, 2000 when it came out, so 12 it years ago. It was one of the last Elseworlds that I recall. It really, really was, and, and this was at a point where I was still getting a lot of the Elseworld books, but really not reading them. So I remember when my wife and I were at the other house, I was just sorting through comics, and I was like, what is this book, and why is it here? Because this was the time I was moving from California back to Kansas, and it got probably lost in the shuffle. Mm-hmm. I was like, what is this series? Three books, three uh, Elseworlds prestige format books. Uh, and I was like, oh, this has got to be interesting, but I'm too busy. I will read this another time. And so I've only really, really had a chance to sit down and read it in its entirety right now, uh, in this last week. But then also I, I think I got a better appreciation of it waiting until now because I have a better understanding 
of the Cthulhu mytho- mythos, mm-hmm. which is what this story is about. And then throw on top of that, um, Mike Mignola, who's writing the story, and it takes on a whole new interesting level, at least for me. Mm. So, if you have not uh, read uh, At the Mountains of Madness, it is a story about an expedition that has gone lost in the Antarctic, and um, the title character, or not the title character, but the main character and his assistant, yes, the mountain, uh, (laughs) going and trying to find out what happened to this expedition, and then uncovering this lost city and this uh, deity that wants to break on through to the other side. And uh, <laughs> that's essentially He's a lizard king. <laughs> that is essentially how this book begins. Uh, the uh, Gotham University has lost track of Cobblepot, who is a one of the scientists, a ichthyologist, who has gone missing in Antarctica. And as we soon find out, Bruce Wayne is leading this expedition to find out what has gone on. And when they get to this ice cavern, there is somebody in there who's chipping away at this monstrosity in the ice. Uh, Cobblepot has been maybe somewhat transformed into a giant rotting penguin. Mm-hmm. He kind of flips back and forth, and so he's running around the Arctic or the Antarctic naked. Arctic or Antarctic? I think they're in the Antarctic, right? Well, it would have to be the South Pole for there to be penguins. Right. No, that's true. This is Cape Antarctica, yes, yeah. Cape Victoria. Um, so they end up taking this this crazy man back onto the boat. And so we find out that we've got Bruce Wayne on board. We've got Timothy Drake. We've got uh, Dick Jason, Grayson and Jason we've got Todd. Jason Todd, mm-hmm. all the uh, characters that uh, have been Robin over the years. And we kind of get a little subtle indication that, um, that this guy has been playing a bat type Batman type character. He just n- maybe hasn't come up with the name at this point. Mm-hmm. At least that's kind of the impression that I got. Yeah. It was weird because he, he already has the suit, <laughs> right? Right, but right. yeah, I I got that as as being something that came with his uh, his role that was handed down from his father because in that first appearance it seems like he's never worn it. He makes some remark about how he's looked been looking for a place to wear it or something. Right. So with the expedition found and this guy and Dick Grayson is examining him, he's like, "Oh my God, this guy's starting to thaw out and he smells wretched. He's actually dead, but they don't know how he's alive. He's just frozen and keeps generating all this cold." And so they put him in the freezer mm-hmm. and they're going to build a suit for him to contain this, a refrigeration suit. So mm-hmm. we get Mr. Freeze uh, right. that comes out of this and he keeps going on and on and on about the seed is planted inside of him. And uh, they ah. head back to Gotham. Big mistake, because that sets off the prophecy yeah. that uh, will swallow up the, uh, the Gotham and in accordance with the prophecy. Yeah. So they get back to Gotham and. um uh, Right from the start. I mean, it's been 20 years since they've been back to Gotham. Suddenly, this weird stuff starts coming out of the woodwork. I mean, here's this dead guy in Wayne Manor who's only been dead for a few hours. Turns out to be uh, Langstrom, Mm -hmm. uh, the guy who is Man-Bat. But, of course, he says, I can speak with the bats. I am a Batman. Hmm. Batman, you say. Hmm. Chicken pot pies <laughs> for dinner. Tonight. Alfred, make us a chicken pot pie. Um, I should really have a dermatologist. We get to speech. we get to uh, meet Oliver Queen, who has a weird uh, night motif going on. He mm-hmm. believes that he is supposed to fight the doom or something that is coming that he's been preparing for. Um, we get introduced to um, let's see uh, a mysterious book. 
mm-hmm. that has been stolen, that uh, there is a burglar of types that is trying to steal it. Uh, the book in in this version is not named, but it is essentially... No, it is. The, it's like the Testament of Ghoul right. or something. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is... In what it is, it's the Necronomicon is right. what this book is right. in the Batman in this in this tale that uh, that uh, Mignola is telling. Mm. And if you go back and look and do some research on the Necronomicon, it was discovered by the Mad Arab, right? And that's who is uh, Rachel Ghoul is the the Mad Arab, and and Talia, as we find out later in the story, is uh, a million billion years old. Mm-hmm. Um. It, we find Poison Ivy makes an appearance. Harvey Dent makes an appearance. I mean, every character Jason just blood makes an appearance. Oh, yeah. Which was really interesting to see that happen uh, early on. And we come to find out that the four founders of Gotham, the Waynes, the Cobblepots, the Queens, and I forget who the other one. Langstrom. Was he the other, was yeah, he the other yeah, fourth family? All made a pact with an evil person to uh, have success and wealth and... There is an evil that has been uh, sort of unleashed. Sort of unleashed, yeah. Right, I mean, yeah. Uh, it's there's an evil that's been depressurized, right? Uh, apparently, beneath the uh, beneath Gotham is an ancient uh, world that was run at the one point by the Lizard Men. And if you've read Conan, you know a little bit about the uh, mm-hmm. the Lizard Men of Hyboria. Um, uh, of course, uh, Lovecraft and um, what's his name Howard. Uh, Howard exchange lots of letters back and forth. So it doesn't surprise me that we see these lizard men kind of pop up in this. And and you know that that the uh stories of the ancient dragon kings right, kind of right. thing does pop up both in Cthulhu stuff and in Native American lore and things like that. Right, right. What I find interesting is there is a and I forget which story it is, but there is a man who gets lost in one of these cities in one of the Lovecraftian stories and he starts eating on the slime and the mold and stuff in these caves and becomes a reptilian man mm-hmm. well in this case Prin, the guy that they made this pact with um turns into um uh, killer croc right the killer croc equivalent which and again for those of you that have read hellboy killer croc looks a lot like the uh frog monster men that we mm-hmm. see in the hellboy series uh in fact at one point um right before the election where harvey Dent is running for mayor there is a plague of lizards that befall the the city of Gotham, mm-hmm. not unlike the plague of frogs storyline sure. that happened in Hellboy. I mean, very. I mean, Hellboy has a very, very like yeah, very hugely Lovecraftian yeah. yeah, you know, uh, influence. Um, Batman ends up uh, going a little crazy himself. Mm-hmm. Totally transforms and goes and fights the uh, um, <laughs> um, Rachel Ghoul. Right. Defeats right. him, defeats the monsters from coming through to the other side, and goes on to live the rest of his life in Gotham. The end. As a, as a bad monster. Yeah. Well, a, but we, as as a, a, you as know, a, that, to be honest, that was probably the thing that I liked the least about this is that. Really? That's kind of the thing that I liked the most yeah, about yeah. it. <laughs> I, I guess because you had Kirk Langstrom, who is the right, man bat, right, right. he doesn't really do. I guess he touches Bruce Wayne at some point. Well, something but, that he does to to start the transformation into well, um, yeah. the man bat. Yeah, I mean it's it's not super clear, but it's. I mean, they talk about from the beginning that Bruce has that connection with bats, right? Right. Because as a kid, he like some bats like save him, 
Right, right, when he right, fell right, off. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah, this book is, I mean, really goes deep into some creepy, I mean, this is a horror book mm. in many in many senses in the fact that when Bruce was young, he saw these uh, old people killing themselves, and it comes to find out his, Bruce Wayne's father had essentially become an immortal um, right. because he was, he was the founding father of Gotham, you know, 300 years before, same way with Langstrom, same way with Cobblepot and so on. And uh, it, it's, it, there are some really trippy moments that to me felt very, 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 very much Lovecraftian oh, and yeah. in that spirit and done so well in that spirit. And I think it's because Mignola uh, did that, you know, understands mm-hmm. that, that mythos and brought it to life. And loves it clearly. Oh, and loves right. it. Yeah, clearly. I want to know, Zach, what you thought about this. Are you familiar with the Cthulhu mythos? Um, I'll, not very much at all. From conversations we've picked up, I picked up from you guys. Um, I did start yeah, reading. You saw that episode of South Park. We played Munchkin <laughs> no. Cthulhu. Yeah, oh, that's right. That, well, we played Munchkin Cthulhu, and then I downloaded one of the big anthology, like Cthulhu. I right, started right, reading right. Call of Cthulhu, and I've read a little bit here and there of it. So I'm not too horribly yeah, you're probably familiar. higher up than most people. I mean, you eh, probably have maybe. more understanding. I mean, if you started reading, if you read Call of Cthulhu or Ma- Mountains of Madness. Right. You've got 90% of what you need to know. Oh, well, there you go. Maybe I know more than I do. Uh, but no, I think... Um, uh, I like the fact how they introduced all the characters in different ways. Right. And how, like, Poison Ivy turned Dent into Two-Face by, right. like, just tearing his body up and he turned into some weird portal thing. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of, like jacked up visuals oh yeah yeah in this book I, that are yeah. unbelievably creepy there are i mean just to see harvey dent so um at one point mr freeze goes to raish and raish is like oh you've got the seed give me the key and uh, he said it's inside me he's like well i can fix that and basically turns off the refrigeration suit at which point mr freeze just basically melts mm-hmm. and inside is this pod which grows to become poison ivy uh, a vine that can transform into a person. She goes out and touches Harvey Dent, and it just this rash starts to spread all over his body until he turns into right, this yeah, grotesque yeah. half man, half monster yeah. portal to another dimension. Do you like how they introduce those characters? Yeah, I, that was probably one of my favorite parts of the book is how they did. Yeah, like Cobblepot was interesting. Mm-hmm. Ivy Dent, Mister um, Freeze was cool. What'd you think of uh, Batgirl, uh, Barbara Gordon? She was the or- oh, she, yeah, was she was the oracle, oracle. to another uh, another world. Yeah, um, that one kind of caught me by surprise, and just the fact that it wasn't like a huge change. It was just done in a different way, and like mm-hmm. literally, she like had like a voice box right, thing. Right. Um, that sequence was kind of cool, and she meets him and Gordon in the cemetery, and then they like meet in the church, and then she has mm-hmm. this weird like trippy vision thing that goes on yeah yeah the ghost inhabitor yeah, yeah. rodrigo were you happy or sad that the joker was not part of this tale oh, I, I, realize that. I was um i like it i like that the joker didn't factor into this because mm-hmm. there's more to batman than the joker and I, I think a lot of the time people just get really caught up on that uh on that aspect of batman mm-hmm. yeah oh yeah i was just, i'm really glad that he didn't appear yeah. in the book mm-hmm. did you like this story rodrigo I liked it okay, and I I was like, as I was going through it, like the the one thing that I that was kind of stuck in my brain was if I didn't know the you know Batman stories as well as I do, would I still be enjoying this? Right, mm-hmm. because I think that in order to get the complete 
experience out of this book, you have to know what all the references are too. Because well, at no that's... point do they really go, he has been turned into a killer crocodile. Well, but and I mean, that's kind of the, I mean, if you didn't know anything about the characters, do you think you still could have read it and, and just said this is, this is a weird, creepy world, and at least it's got Batman in there to protect them, but I don't know Kurt Langstrom, I don't know I Oliver think Queen, I don't know. I have this feeling that if I didn't know who the characters are, everything would have felt really arbitrary. It's like, there's a frozen guy, and out of him grows a plant, and that plant touches a guy, and the guy turns into a portal. Mm-hmm. Whereas, it could have been that the frozen guy explodes into a portal, I think, if if not for the fact that you had oh, to sure, fit sure, sure. three more Batman villains in that right, span. Right, right. No, I can see that. Yeah, yeah, Um did you get all the Cthulhu or the Lovecraftian mythos stuff that was going in there? Like the mad Arab, the, the mountains of madness. I definitely, the- I definitely got the basic stuff. I got, you know, Rachel Ghoul as the, as the author of the Necronomicon. I right. got, uh, you know, the frogmen, the lizard men mm-hmm. kind of stuff. Um, I got, uh, the kind of like the weird, um, connection between hell and, the 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 Cthulhu mythos, which is always kind of like weirdly tenuous, like it's there and they refer to hell as as a thing, but not necessarily like it doesn't quite fit into the mm-hmm. into the thing. That's another. I mean, that's another one where it's like, did like if I didn't know who Etrigan was, would it have just annoyed me that Etrigan shows up and then disappears and then shows up again? Right, 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 right. Especially in the last. Right, the Deus Ex Machina mm-hmm. bit, where well, instead of God coming down, it's the devil, right, uh, popping up and and saving the day, kind of thing. You know, one of the one of the things, Matthew, that is maybe a little bit different from uh, from what people know about Batman is that uh, all the Robins but Tim die. I mean, Jason Todd gets frozen to <laughs> yeah. death. I mean, he's barely in there for you know, he's, yeah. he's basically a cameo appearance. Uh, poor Dick mm-hmm. Grayson goes onto the boat and starts opening fire, and and Killer Croc kills him. And then uh, right. Timothy Drake is just running around going, oh, where's Batman? Where should he be at? <laughs> and then at the end, he becomes basically the uh, the, the face man for the Wayne, Wayne Empire mm. as they rebuild uh, Gotham. The, is that something that uh, is a problem for you or did it work or not work? Well, it, it, it would have been funnier for me if Jason Todd had been the only survivor. Yeah, that would have been interesting. Yeah, that yeah. would have been funny, yeah. But I think that it, that is one of the things about this book that was troublesome for me because – of the fact that they were trying so hard to evoke what was then the current continuity of the DC universe. Right. Jace Tim was the only active Robin. Um, the Oracle sequence felt really bizarre to me because they were trying so hard to do something with Barbara Gordon's Oracle thing. I liked green lantern, excuse me, green arrow as a knockoff of Batman because green arrow, as we've discussed is a knockoff of Batman. Yeah. Where he's basically trying to do the exact same thing, but he's just not the right guy. Right. And all that's what happens all, here. He's I literally mean. not the right guy. He's not good enough. Yeah. <laughs> he's literally. that. And all in all, that aspect of it is why I don't like this book. Why is that? Because there's so much of an attempt to give us something that is about Batman and something that is about the current Batman continuity circa 13 years ago. But also to try and do something that is sort of, you know, uh, I saw that there was a Herbert West in there. Yeah, yeah that was the best. Yeah, that was like really good. Yeah. Um, but there was a lot of Lovecraft reference. There was a lot of Batman reference. But what it came out to be 
was to me kind of a muddled combination of the two. I mean, I it's it, it's like I well, love that's... fried calamari and I love marshmallow sauce, but I'm not going to eat my fried calamari in marshmallow sauce. And that's kind of what this felt like it turned into for me was two tastes that just never quite gelled for me. But that is no kind matter of how the, hard they were being shoved together. But that's kind of the big argument that a lot of people have who either really, really love or really, really hate the Elseworld series because, hey, let's tell Superman in right, Camelot. Right, let's right. tell Batman in the Old West. Let's tell Wonder Woman as Batman. Let's tell Green Lantern as Batman. Let's, <laughs> let's tell Superman Bat- as Batman. Batman. And, and, and then flip it up Batman as all those other ones. Right, yes. right, right. Yeah. Um, and so I think that's kind of the... I think that's kind of the big problem is here's this story that takes place in another world in another time period what and this is dc's version of what if marvel's what if and what if batman existed in a world 1920s of cthulhu okay wait 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 wait. i got another one sure. how, about, how about this for an else world <laughs> somebody better give me a collar and it better be a little white square that goes under my the actual collar of my shirt yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Like, and the, college, the holy, holy terror, terror yeah. <laughs> i mean all these things are really legitimate but the problem is and and rightfully so, is that if you're going to tell these Batman stories and show how all of these worlds are different, yet they're the same, mm-hmm. you have to put in all right, these references. Right, right, and, I, and I think and that's then, where, I think, isn't that part of the tag on the Else Worlds where everything is familiar but different? Uh, I think that's where the tags. Everything you know is wrong, except what isn't. I think that's uh, the. Well, I think, I think the tag on the Else Worlds. Characters on familiar situations. Right. Right. Yeah, I thought the tag on Elseworld was these things are selling, <laughs> and they they did and sell they did, for a yeah. long time. I let's, mean, let's put a gorilla on the cover. Well, it, what it felt like, and you know, again, this is from the perspective of someone who I am a casual fan of the Batman. Right. I like certain Batman stories better than others, and this take on Batman is based on the the circa two thousand. Batman as, you know, every man five steps ahead of things and he's got kryptonite in his pants in case Superman wants to attack. And this particular version of Batman comes across as a deeper version of a version of Batman that I just don't care for. It takes the intensity of that, I'm prepared for everything, and gives it a a quasi-religious undertone of, I am the chosen one, that just kind of... Well, but he's not saying he's the chosen one. That's the thing. Everyone else is telling him that he's the chosen one. And quite honestly, Batman he's not in this book. He's not. Well, yeah, he at the end of the, the book. Of Cthulhu and says, seen it. Yeah, yeah, because he's Batman had. Batman is immune to. Th- no, but he explains why. Batman is immune to the maddening gaze of Cthulhu. Why? Because he's Batman. No, <laughs> Matthew. Why is he immune to it? Because somebody because shot his parents. I, <laughs> Pretty much, yeah, yeah. <laughs> They stabbed his because parents. They stabbed yeah, his yeah, parents. Yeah, as, as a young lad, he saw that guy hang himself, mm-hmm. and he started, the, the madness had started to infect him, and he had already, he'd been having visions of the Cthulhu, or not, this isn't Cthulhu, that's the other thing when you should point out, this is another one of the elder gods, mm-hmm. um, which I'm thinking it's not even one of the Cthulhu's elder gods from Cthulhu, because it's, Cthulhu. well, from the mythos, because I was trying to look up the name, and I, I was just, I didn't see it right off the top, but, you know, he, he'd been seeing that all his life, so therefore seeing the shock of something is, you know, not a shock. Right. It's kind of like hearing the same joke yeah. over and over and over I again for 20 years, the and then, you know, when you hear it 20 years later, it's not funny. 
and then you get accused of no selling someone's mm-hmm. joke. It's kind of that way. So, um, <laughs> so no, I, but I, I understand where you're coming from, Matthew, in the sense that you don't like it because it is. I didn't say shoving I didn't everything. Like that. Shoving everything, Batman into this into this world. Yeah, it basically what it does is it takes the Cthulhu mythos is about something that is so powerful that no human can stand against it. Mm-hmm. Batman is about being so powerful that he's more than human. And it just feels to me like the chocolate and the peanut butter never really congealed for me. And while you know there's some fun in the mad era being, you know, actually revealed as Ra's al Ghul and taking the the green arrow thing and that meta statement of green arrow wasn't quite batman batman is batman but batman's going to use green arrows uh, mystical weaponry you know i like parts of this and i felt like from a construction point the way the story was put together was fine i just didn't necessarily care for what came out of it because it feels to me like batman dealing with the cthulhu mythos just doesn't really do any service to either Batman or the Cthulhu mythos. And that, you know, I stare into the face of madness because I can't armor my head is an example of what's not workable in trying to marry these two properties. You've got the thing that the, uh, the unstoppable force and the immovable object and the immovable object can't armor its head. I just, I didn't care for that. And as it ended, I felt like they went into this with a lot of really great concepts, but they didn't really have an ending. And so it just kind of blah, set it all on fire. (laughs) You know, kind of like Watchmen doesn't really have an ending and also ends with a giant bug-eyed creature covered in tentacles. Ah, spoilers. Mm. Way to go, Matthew. Ah. Uh, Well, and and that's, you know, maybe that's part of the reason why... Maybe maybe that's why Bruce Wayne has to literally be transformed into something mm-hmm, that is right. not a man. Right, right. Um, but I I just, that was the part that I did not really care for. And then especially when Etrigan comes in and just burns the Elder God away. So really, it's not even Batman coming in to save the day. Yogg-Sagoth. It's, it's, uh, it's well, Yogg-Sagoth is definitely a, a Cthulhu monster. Um, well, that's but, how I pronounce the guys. Yeah, yeah. Um, Yogg-Sagoth. But, you know, Etrigan is really the hero of the story because he's the one that comes in and mm-hmm. uh, yeah, Batman just kind of puts everything together. Um, Etrigan's the, the demonicus ex machina. Right. The And then, of course, no that, ending. you know, I really expected uh, Etrigan's um, flame. Well, to answer that, I mean, go back and, and read some of the Cthulhu stories. They're they're kind of the same way, especially Call of Cthulhu. It just kind of ends with. And that's the yeah. tale that I have to tell. A lot of a lot of horror stories and a lot of old school horror stories do end up with, and then everything burnt down. The end. Dot dot well, dot. Look at the uh, Pit and Pendulum, right? Uh, follow the House of Usher. Poltergeist. Poltergeist. Any Stephen King book. And yeah. his heart <laughs> doth beat beneath the floorboards to this day. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they do just kind of. Or that that one episode end. of Mission Hill. Yeah. Yeah. Where you get to the end, it's just like... Lord. What didn't you like, Rodrigo? Um, I think a lot of the time... All right, so so the art I liked most of the time, but there were times mm-hmm. when, like, normal people looked really bad. Right, right. It just... There were thing, There were times when, like... There's this thing where, like, Batman comes in to save Tim, and Tim's face looks completely warped, mm-hmm. and it's not supposed to, clearly. Mm-hmm. Um, so... 
every time as long as there are monsters on the panel, it's awesome. Sometimes when there's normal people on the panel, it doesn't look that good. I would that's, agree with you on that. That's that's one of them. The other thing that I didn't like is that this kind of sounded like an awesome conversation you had at school. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. if okay, okay, uh, okay. Like three in the morning. If if the endless were Power Rangers, what color would each of them be? Well, Dream would have to be the if, Red if Ranger. Morgan Freeman was Dante, who would we get to play Randall? Yeah, exactly. exactly. It's like, yeah, it's, I mean, and that's that's totally what it, it felt like. It felt mm-hmm. like you are taking two properties and doing this funny thought exercise about who would be whom is like, well, which Homestar Runner character has the right voice to be that one guy from South Park if you're gonna like mush that together right, right? right, right. And, and it and in the end you can't take that too far or else it stops working because you end up with neither mm-hmm. so it's a good thing that this book was a miniseries because I, I would say that it was at that point by the end yeah. where it's like okay we've here's here's where this character comes in where this character fits in and where this character fits in and a lot of the book just felt like and now here is Poison Ivy, and now right, right, here right. is right, Two Face, right? Kind of stuff. But again, that's right. kind of the point of the Elseworlds is let's yeah, take is. these it things is. and mash them together. Um, I'm trying to think. There were not a whole lot of Elseworlds series that were miniseries. There was the Golden Age. Mm-hmm. There was. I'm trying to think. Red Rain. I, I think that was a big hardbound book, mm-hmm. and then it came out with like Red a, Rain was actually it was it wasn't a mini, but there was a sequel to Red Rain. Yeah, yeah. But was that uh, one serialized in like two or three? Wasn't that serialized in two or three no. books? Couldn't remember on that one. No, it was one prestige format. Most of the Elseworld stuff, format, I think. Most of the Elseworld stuff was either a one shot or maybe a one and one and two. Because I seem to remember the uh, Superman with um, Superman and um, Tesla story was mm-hmm. a two issue. Was a two issue series. Another the nail. Yeah, another oh yeah, the the nail is definitely oh yeah, the nail was because that was Super like a Boys twelve Legion issue was a two part wasn't that a twelve issue the nail God, no the nail remember. was four and another the nail was three Ugh, I think felt like twelve uh, or maybe they were both three <laughs> Zach what did you not like about this about this uh, um, story for as much as I liked the way they brought in the characters I didn't like how quickly they were just thrown aside like all the robins were in there and then they just. Well, all but one Kill him just off. died. Just yeah, really fast. And they I just think died. his leg is over there. Yeah. Poison Ivy lasted like four pages. Uh, yeah. Two-Face, once he transformed, was like three. And so I just I felt like, yeah. yeah, it was just a let's throw people in here really quick and then we're just going to just form them and they're going to die. I, I, will, I will tell you <laughs> one thing that I absolutely loved about this. I loved how... Every time somebody sees Batman, they go, "Hey, Bruce." Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, like especially everybody with, well, yeah, especially automatically with the, in the graveyard. Gordon, Gordon yeah. knew who he was. He's like, "No big deal." He's like, "Oh, hey, what's up?" Yeah, yeah. Which just, is hey, really. I which see is you're wearing really that weird bat costume. Now. Yeah, I see you're wearing that weird bat costume. That's cool. Yeah, it's, that was like yeah. okay. Maybe just like wears it around. No big deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was kind of interesting. My problem, and I didn't realize until you said it that Killer Croc wasn't Swamp Thing. And I couldn't figure out what Swamp Thing was doing. Uh, so, yeah. Well, but what I like about the art is that, that Swamp Thing face. The artist yeah, did try to borrow heavily from Mignola's um, Hellboy work mm-hmm. because the style of the monsters in 
the first Hellboy arc mm-hmm. match the Killer Croc character here, the same facial features. Well, and everything. I think they both had it, uh, a much earlier antecedent. I think those are visu- both visually based on something actual Cthulhuist. No, oh yeah, yeah, so. I, I'm sure too with the the reptile men. But it's just kind of to me. I I enjoyed this a lot because I can I could see okay, here's where the author used his knowledge of the Cthulhu mythos, and I can see where he's planted seeds here in this Batman book, as well as where he uses the same theme over in the Hellboy series. Likewise, it was fun knowing a little bit more about uh, the Cthulhu uh, mythos to say, okay, here is where all of these entities, beings, all of these references are being made, and including the uh, Herbert Mm -hmm. West animator um, book, you know, show up as uh, as a nod to Lovecraft. So, you know, that was really, really good stuff. Um, I like, you know, and, and again, it's an Elseworlds, so you are mashing these ideas up, and because you're putting in all these characters, I don't mind that they just pass in here for a moment and pass out here for a moment. I was kind of uh, surprised that they killed off the Robins though. I mean, that was, that was the one I was like, Oh, I could see where a lot of people could have a problem with that. Um, and then just didn't like the, didn't like the, uh, the end result where Batman becomes man bad. I mean, that should have been a Langstrom thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, Just that, you know, that, that issue that I had uh, with it. So that, that I I don't think you could epilogue was, was disappointing. Well, and the epilogue was one of the things that worked for me because, you know, wh- when you face monsters, you you risk of becoming a monster yourself. Well, and it's <laughs> but more importantly, I it, and that's I, that's I interesting. Don't think that saying, oh, I'm sorry, oh, uh, that's interesting because oh, I think um, Matthew and I, to a certain degree, like kind of like the parts that Stephen yeah, didn't yeah. like, and vice versa. Yeah, 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 because we're saying. This went too far, and Stephen is saying this did not go too right, far right. enough. Right, right. Like, yeah. like the moment that they broke the this is this and this is this and this is this for right, Stephen right. is the moment where they lost them. Right, and the moment where they where that same moment where they stop saying this is this and this mm-hmm. is this. Now I'm gonna do something different. That's the moment where Matthew and I actually started paying attention. Right, right, right. No, and that's uh, legitimate. Angel, giant chickens. But I don't necessarily think that we can say that simply because it's an Elseworlds and Elseworlds tend to be mashups that, you know, this this book shouldn't be held responsible for uh -uh. the flaws that I'm perceiving in the storytelling. Because honestly, there is not, save for one picture of Harvey Dent in issue two, a normal looking person. In the entire three issues, the Robins. Everybody is freaky. And there's a moment yeah. where Alfred and, and Tim Drake are standing there, and I'm just like, is Alfred possessed? Yeah. Because he's got this <laughs> look on his face. It is dark and disturbing, and yeah. and and I think that's part of drawing you into the story, is is that it is disturbing, uh, even in the facial features. Well, they which drew Alfred times. into the story, and he looked nuts. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> well, but again, in the stories that Lovecraft wrote, people who were near... People who were near this were not always right in the head themselves. Right. So they would yes, go they mad. mad. Yeah. And so for some of these crazy. people to look a little crazy, bleh. but the art, yeah, there were a lot of problems with the art. Um, 
there was also a lot of really cool stuff. I think the architecture worked really well. Yeah. The monsters were really yeah. well. Yep. Um, seeing Batman in a fedora and trench coat with his Batman costume on underneath yeah, looked really, really awesome. Yeah, that, yeah, that actually cool. really worked. <laughs> and it's like, uh, I'm bat. It's like, it's, it's a guy wearing a costume, wearing a costume, yeah, yeah. you know? And, and quite honestly, the Barbara Gordon stuff, I love because I was like, Oh, look how creepy odd this is for that time period. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I just thought, yeah, I thought I liked, that was wonderful. I like the Barbara Gordon stuff, okay? Yeah. Um, even I, I even like the uh, Etrigan uh, interpretation for that time period of what yeah. the impish demon I thought, would look I like. Thought, yeah, I, I really liked the, the design of Etrigan for that because it was, look at this devil guy, yeah, right? Yeah. Look at this demon-looking guy yeah. as opposed to... You know what? What most people do with Etrigan, which is a, a very slavish mm-hmm. uh, reproduction of was he Kirby? Kirby, yeah, yeah. of of Kirby stuff, right. which and it's very specific and very specific to a time period and all that stuff. So a lot of the time, when an artist is doing, for example, a Batman title, and Etrigan shows up, Etrigan looks really goofy. Yeah, yeah. In this, he looked like he fit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Zach, bottom line for you. Uh, bottom line. First Elseworlds title I've ever read, mm-hmm. and it was interesting. I like the, I mean, the concept is cool. I like, because that's what you do when you're up late or you're really bored in class. You just think, wouldn't it be cool if Superman could drive a race car or something weird? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, so that that is was fun to read. Uh, story-wise, uh, I thought it was okay based on the fact of this is, a mashup of cool things that mm-hmm. I enjoy separately. Uh, characters were fun. The art, yeah, you said it was interesting in a weird, creepy way. Would I recommend this to someone? Only if they liked both of the properties. If they only liked one, I'd be like, maybe you could read this, but maybe I think if you liked Batman more than Cthulhu, if you knew more of Batman than Cthulhu, you could still enjoy this. But if you like didn't know anything about Batman, but you enjoyed Cthulhu, you probably wouldn't have mm-hmm. as much enjoyment mm-hmm. out of this. Mm-hmm. Um, Rodrigo, what about you? Yeah, that's all I got. Um, I enjoyed it, and I think I enjoyed it exactly for what uh, Zach just said, in that I know a lot more about Batman than I do about Cthulhu. Um, I don't know that I enjoy Batman more than Cthulhu, but I would say they're two properties that I care about enough that I'm okay with both of them existing, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, and being around and as popular as they are, especially right now, because Cthulhu has really, the Cthulhu mythos has really come into vogue. Yeah, yeah, especially with um, the end of the world and all coming yeah, up next week. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So it was enjoyable for me, but the whole time that I was looking at it, I was like, the only, I, I, I was like very conscious of the fact that the only reason why I'm enjoying this is because it's kind of pandering to my... To my demographic, it's right, it's right. going. Right. Here's a cool thing from column A. Here's a cool thing from column B. Here's a cool thing from column A. Column B. Column A. Column B. Just going right down the line, right, right, and right. then it was over. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, recommend? Not recommend? I would I, again. If you if you want to see actually if you want to see Batman surrounded by very creepy monsters and eventually becoming himself a creepy monster, I would definitely recommend it because the art is worth it if you're in it for the monsters. Um, otherwise, I would say pass unless like steven you're a big fan of both Mm -hmm. uh, of both things Mm -hmm. matthew what about you i would have to definitely agree on the pass and the main reason why is 
I have had the conversation where I say, wouldn't it be weird if Full Metal Jacket was done with the Archie characters and Joker was Archie and Gomer Pyle was Moose and all of the Archie characters were in this and, and Moose went crazy and shot Mr. Weatherby in the bathroom and then we had to go on to Vietnam and Reggie was leading a squad. It's not $15 worth of story for sure, which is what this book originally cost. And it's not three issues worth of story. I feel like it kind of does a disservice to the Cthulhu. It does a disservice to the Batman. And the things that work for me work because they're neither fish nor fowl, which kind of undermines the whole point of having the mashup of the two properties because it ain't Batman, it ain't Cthulhu. And where it works, it's a, a third unrelated beastie, which is fine. Up to a point. If you're a huge fan of either property, you might want to check it out. This is definitely skippable. Many of the Elseworlds properties, sadly, fall into that inessential realm unless you're kind of a connoisseur of the weird or somebody who wants to know what Batman would look like in Arkham and not the asylum. So Zach but I would and, definitely say this Zach can answer your question from last week. This once and for all proves that everything is better with, Batman, better with Batman. Right? Cthulhu right. is better with Batman. Batman is better with Cthulhu. <sighs> this is a perfect combination of these two properties. Uh, this uh, is something that you have. This is to this target audience of people who really like Batman and who really understand the Cthulhu mythos. Because quite honestly, as I said earlier, when I was flipping through this stuff back in 2000, 2001, and when I was trying to file it away going, when did I even buy this? And I flipped through it. I was like, eh, I think I'll pass. But it wasn't until years later after I've read more uh, Lovecraft that I'm like, oh, this could be really good. And I think having that appreciation of both of these properties um, does make it work. And it isn't just here's column A, here's column B. Here is A and B mixed together into this yummy, uh, tasty uh, uh, C treat. Uh, so for me, Calamari yeah, if you are someone who uh, likes Batman, someone who likes Cthulhu, or, or the Lovecraft stories, yeah, I think you should pick this up. Now, it's going to be a little hard because this is not collected. You have to still buy the individual issues, and they can be difficult to pick up. Uh, it's not on Comixology, unfortunately. I tried looking for that. Um, but uh, I think it is uh, worth picking up. That you know, The fact that it's not a collected trade is probably also an indication of its popularity yeah. because it is so specific that there's really little reason to collect this into a what 96 page giant or something like that honestly right. i mean i gotta tell you it, this it's also not that good i yeah i probably enjoyed this more than red rain mm -hmm. so i'm surprised that this hasn't been collected and that has well it's dracula vampires i guess did you did we review red rain on this we, show? i don't think we've reviewed it on the show i know we've reviewed some elseworld title yeah we've we've done holy, holy terror holy and terror. we did um golden golden age, age. yeah yeah okay yeah. Oh, yeah, Matthew, you're right. There's a lot of books uh, in the Elseworlds series that are just pass. Um, the Camelot oh, yeah. one is a pass. Bruce Wayne's yeah, Green, Green Lantern, Lantern one is a pass. The Nail, pass. 50% of the Justice writers is, eh. The Nail is a little bit better. What was the, the one? But, the Nail yeah. is okay. I, the Another Nail, yeah, yeah. that one is definitely a it, pass. Yeah. All right, everybody, that wraps it up for this issue of the Major Spoilers Podcast. Thank you for downloading and listening. And remember, head over to Majorspoilers.com, share your thoughts, share your ideas, share your reactions. And if you like what we're doing, consider using the Amazon.com link there at uh, Major Spoilers for all of your purchases. Someone asked the other day, hey, if I buy this TV, will you guys get credit? 
If you've clicked on the Amazon link at the Major Spoilers website, yes, we will get credit for that, and we thank everyone for that. Uh, so until next time, for Matthew, Rodrigo, Zach, and myself, uh, you have a great week, and we'll catch you next time. Why? Because we know that you love comics, and we do too, <laughs> and we will talk with you soon. If you have any questions, comments, topic ideas for future shows, or would like to sponsor a show, send an email to podcast at Majorspoilers.com. Visit Majorspoilers at Majorspoilers.com, and be sure to check out the Major Spoilers forum. You can also follow Major Spoilers on Twitter at twitter.com slash Majorspoilers. Spoilers. Hey, revision of a Superman. I could save a few bucks and stand around and read through the covers of the comics on the stand. But although every other page would be backwards, I suppose, I could still read the evens and the odds. Well, I don't know. Guess I haven't thought this all the way through. Plus, as soon as that comic book store guy knew, he kicked my butt out on the corner. Yeah, what a major spoiler. What a major spoiler. Oh, wait, I think I found a better way. If I was hulking green or gray, I could just buzz through that brick wall, take their comic books away. But then the little me would deal with all those tanks and bombs and guns. Have you ever tried to read a series with all that going on? Guess I need to rethink this plan. How would I bag and board my comics with such huge hands? Guess I already told ya. What a major spoiler. surprised to find that I might actually have the heart cold to follow an entire storyline. Would I really even need to keep up on all those escapades? I mean, who needs such distractions when your sister's such a babe? But the downside is such a beast. Being caught up in a fun bee in the Middle East with a gangside throwing soldier. Spoilers. It's copyright 2012.